For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the Marketers Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio is a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. And this is your Wednesday bulletin. It's a bulletin. It's absolutely bursting at the seams 
hopefully be good stuff and you're going to enjoy this. Um, first things first, Colin, I'll come to you. Scottish football tonight will pay its respects to Walter Smith, who passed away yesterday, the former Rangers Everton and Scotland manager. Now, Walter played a massive part in my Celtic life when, when I actually started thinking back about this yesterday. And when the news came through yesterday, it was almost as if part of my adolescence had actually disappeared. Um, over the last 24 hours, there's been tributes came in. And he seems to have been a guy who managed to bridge a sometime bitter divide for all but a very, very small few, eh? Yeah, definitely. It's very rare that you see someone <clears throat> sorry, get the appreciation from both sides of the Glasgow divide and uh, also from teams all over Scotland, all over Europe. Um, un- unfortunately, Kevin, I-, I wasn't in the 90s, so I didn't have to sort of live through his golden spell at Ibrooks, but I did live through his second spell and also his time in charge of the Scotland team. Um, and his-, his teams were always set up difficult to beat, um, but always had that bit of quality they could turn to uh, to stick the ball in the back of the net. And for that, he was a very successful uh, manager. And when he brought Tommy Burns into the Scotland setup, it showed that his interest was success on the park first. It didn't matter where he came from. Um, I mean, here's a klaxon at 1 minute 48. I'm going to mention Kenny Miller here. Um, but the fact that he managed, he brought Kenny Miller across the, the divide again, it just showed he always interested in was winning football. Um, and I've I seen a fantastic um, story that was posted by, I think it was a Hearts page on Twitter last night. And they said that they were raising funds to go to the France 98 World Cup. And they were the disabled supporters, Tartan Army. And they, they raised all the money, they booked the tickets. And then one of the guys that was doing the organising that had the spending money and everything, he'd done a runner at the last minute. So they were left with nothing. Um, so they still had their flights, they still went over, they had their match tickets. They went over to France uh, with the idea that their families were going to try and raise the money over here and send it over to them. And lo and behold, they were sitting, ne- or sitting next to Walter Smith at one of the first games. And he was telling them the story and the first thing he did is just went into his wallet and just says, here, I don't know what's there, but just take it. That kind of shows the, the kind of man that he was. And I think it'll be a, a massive loss to Scottish football. And it was a really sad thing, especially when it looked as if he may have just been coming on the mend a couple of weeks ago, but this uh, this disease is, is horrible, and uh, I'm sure we've all lost family members from it as well. And the sooner we can find a cure, the better. Is that Colin? You did he did uh, mention the nineties there, and it was almost like I was standing at the bus stop watching a party bus drive by, by me every single week. It seemed to be Brian. Uh, you're a bit younger than me as well. Eh? It seems, it seems that uh, Walter Smith did sort of bridge that divide in, in Glasgow. And also, I've seen a lot of nice tributes from uh, Everton, Everton as well. And when there is the two the two big results they got with Scotland were the two was the, the two the, the, the two wins against France, who were the world champions at the time. I uh, I remember exactly where I was. I was a pub called Europa at Queen Street Station. Um, I'd, I'd finished work about early and ran up as fast as I could to watch the game um, and I remember that night it was one of my best nights as a Scotland fan when Gary Colwell who'd been ridiculed off uh, Trezeguet previously <laughs> taunted um, scored the winner uh, Walter Smith I think I think other than Bill Struth the most successful manager in Rangers history I think he probably argues the most influential 
you know, great figure for Scottish football, a real, real class act. Um, you know, everyone admired him, everyone respected him, most people feared him. He was, um, he really was a, a giant of a man. And uh, I was lucky enough to meet him personally a couple of times uh, through my old work. And what an absolute great human being. And he was still quite an intimidating presence, even as he got older, with that kind of stern look. But as soon as you spoke to him, it faded away and he was really warm and friendly and telling stories and just a, a real good guy. And I saw an absolutely beautiful tribute from Alan McCoyst um, on TalkSport. So whether you're a Rangers fan, Celtic fan, football fan, you should watch it. And uh, he put it really, really well. And um, yeah, it's, it's, Scottish football's lost an absolute giant and a, and a legend. Rangers have lost a legend. Um, I'm sure the fans will be absolutely gutted. Um, fans all over the country. But the, my thoughts are uh, his wife that's lost a husband, his sons that have lost a father, and his grandkids that have lost a, a granddaddy. And that's the saddest thing of all. So um, my heart goes out to them, to every, every Rangers fan this morning, every family member, and Scottish football as a whole, I think it's a sadder place. Well, well said, Brian. What we'll do is we'll move on. Brian, you were you were you weren't with us last week. Um now Celtic are on, on a better run now. So Ecadius, uh, the stoic philosopher, says don't talk about your philosophy, embody it. Do you think over the last couple of weeks that Ange Postacoglu has embodied his his philosophy, or more importantly, the team is beginning to start to embody his philosophy? Yeah, I think the, the, the latter part of that's pretty accurate. So Mikey Johnson's comments um, talking about the, the philosophy and the, the fact the players are now getting it. I think Callum McGregor's commented on it. You can see that, and there's this perception that the sort of gung-ho approach was the way he wanted the team. And I think Postacoglu was fairly clear after both sick nothing games that there was improvements, there was changes to make. It wasn't quite there. I still don't think we're quite there. I still think we're, we're a good four players short of, of where we need to be. But I think the players are understanding it a bit more. I think Starfield and Carter Vickers have, have been very good. They've sort of, I think they've understood where the spaces are going to be they need to cover. I think the, the midfielders have adapted a bit more as well and, and tried to sort of, you know, buy into the system a bit more and they know no, it's a bit more clearer for them where to move and how to, you know, yeah, it's, it's full-blown attack, but it's attacking as a team and defending as a team. And I think now we've started to see is we're controlling games because we're, we're doing it as one, one team together. When we attack, everyone attacks. When we defend, everyone defends. And you're not having these gaps as much as you had. Um, but it's still an exciting brand of football and more importantly we're getting results so I think it's a, it's a if I was to bet my house on Ant Postacoglu changing his ways I would lose that bet because there's no way that man's changing he's, he's, he said it himself the other day he's 56 years old he's not going to you know, really earn the wheel he's going to do what's for him success and the way he wants his teams to play and, and we're doing that and the, the players are buying into it more than I think not even buying into it but understanding it a bit more and maybe they did initially, because by all accounts, it's a it's a lot of work to take on and stuff. And I think, you know, it's hard to quantify, but I think the addition of the, um, the sports scientist actually coming in, and that seems to have made them improvement because the players are looking fit already. And, and, and that's got to be a factor as well. It's interesting you mentioned looking fitter, Colin. 
Um, and you're giving the credit to the sports scientists there, Brian. I, I wonder if they us looking to improve. There has been an improvement in fitness in the actual squad, mm-hmm. but I wonder if the fact is we look fitter because we're controlling the game more. It could be. That, that could very much be the case. Um, when we were on the fan media conference yesterday with Callum McGregor, that was one of the questions that was asked to him, was how important was that introduction of Anton McElhone as the sports scientist and what that done to the team? Um, and McGregor was saying that, and it was kind of interesting because McGregor says it's a position we'd been looking for all summer. So it was as if that he almost had a say in it, the way he was coming across. That might just be the, the way he was speaking, but it was just an interesting turn of phrase as we were looking for it. Um, but he says that there was obviously work being done in the background, but now you've got someone with the experience who was um, in the States, he was at Spurs, someone that's done this job full time, even if he did have a spell in charge of my uh, local terrible side, Greenock Morton. Um, it is someone who brings that experience to the role and he thinks that it's not something, although we're seeing the impact right away, it's maybe something you won't see until further down the line as the season progresses as we play these three games a week to see the difference in fitness then to what we are right now? As it's three games a week, I mean, uh, let's, let's have a think about this. Is this our fourth game in 12 days? Something we'll, along we, those lines, yep. And so we'll play five games in 15 days if you talk, if you count uh, Saturday's one against Livingston. So the team has to take breathers during games because all they're doing is they're playing games and there's recovery time, playing games, recovery time. Now, Colin, you had you had quite a strong view on St. Johnson at the weekend when they came to Celtic Park and basically sat in. Um, it ended up it was a comfortable victory for Celtic. St. Johnson's expected goals was zero point one two. See, there you go. I have been reading up on how good <laughs> expected goals, what expected goals actually prove. Um, see, I, I just don't. I just don't disregard stuff. The reason that I got round to reading about expected goals was I was reading about the City group and their philosophy. And obviously, Ange Postacoglu was appointed by the City group to go to Yokohama and how they use expected goals and stuff like that. And so it got me interested and I started reading some of the Celtic stat stuff. Eh? So I might be using it more often when I'm trying <laughs> to get my hand on a handle on that, this philosophy. But getting back to that, St. Johnson didn't come to play football on, on Saturday, did they? They had a wee go in the first 12, 13 minutes, five minutes after the set, five minutes into the second half, then just decided, nah, we're just going to sit in here and not get not take a tanking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just before we go into that, I see Stephen McGonagall's back in the chat after being in hospital last week, so great to see that you're on the men, Stephen. Uh, congratulations on your uh, getting back out and getting back about. Hopefully you'll be on your feet soon. Um, but yeah, look, St Johnston at the weekend, right? I, and I said before we came on, I was, I was so disappointed in them. I expected so much more because you look at it, they won the two cups in Scotland last year. And even in the games that they've played so far, it was like they are trying to play football. They've come away from this whole Murray Davidson kicks you off the park. And it, that's what they went back to on Saturday. I mean, you look at the build-up. You had the the Carter Vickers and uh, Chris Kane incident, which is a complete shambles. Chris Kane's should have been sent off every single day of the week. But then after that, and I think this comes down to the fact that the referee lost complete control of the game. St Johnston just went for anything above the ball. 
And you, you see it, there's about four or five fouls that lead up to the actual penalty. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a referee, and I had this argument on Twitter with someone uh, through the week, they're telling me, oh, he was um, the referee was scored eight out of ten. Uh, that person clearly wasn't watching the game because he'd it, lost control of the game. He just started booking players and he just, there's a foul, there's a foul. He's looking to his linesman for support. Was that a foul? Was that, who did that come off of? The standard of Scottish refereeing is shocking. Absolutely shocking. And the introduction of VER will do nothing to help that. So I mean, between that and between the St Johnston performance, it's enough to kill what should have been an exciting game of football. I haven't been impressed with some of the teams that this season, the way they've set up against Celtic. I'm, I'm going back, you mentioned Murray Davison. And for me, Murray Davison is the most Rangers-type player never to play for Rangers. Um, there's a couple others in Scottish football over the years that I've got get that impression from. But Murray Davison, for me, is he's always been a Rangers player and waiting, but it's just never happened for him. Uh, Brian, I mean, the, Car- the Cameron Carter-Vickers thing, you get kicked, you get punched, and you get booked. How does that add up? Ah, it's um, sadly it's nothing new, is it? It's um, it's it's the same old, same old. I think Brendan Rodgers there's one of the bingo things to go off. I think thirteen thirty eight. There we go. Yeah, I think he said that that amateurs refereeing a professional game, which is true because they don't they don't do it full time, so they're by definition an amateur. So you've got an amateur putting in charge of professional athletes in a professional game, and you know it it shows. There's just a, a glaring inconsistency. The refs panic. They run over. They see a stramash. They, they they just book two players at random. It's nonsense. It's utter nonsense. Like, after weekend Lions for less than Chris King got away with a yellow card. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's madness. And, and do you know what I'm really disappointed about with St. Johnson? And I know they lost Alan McCann, who I think they were robbed, by the way, for a fee for him, but... He's a, he's excellent. He was great for them last season, and I think you can see there's a real touch of quality missing in their team. But I just feel like if I was a St. Johnson fan or a Motherwell fan or St. Mary or whoever, I'd rather my team just went and tried to play football and had a goal. You know, when was the last time you saw a, 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 any team in the SPL or, or the SPFL other than the old firm doing stepovers or, you know, going out a tie or trying to play a bit of decent football? It doesn't happen often enough. I would have been trying it and not been doing it well, to be fair. But I don't know, you'd just like to see a wee bit more. And chances are, like, if you're St. Johnson or Livingston or whoever, and you're playing against the old firm, you don't really expect anything, are you? You're probably going to lose. You may as well at least try. And I think the teams that have had success against us have actually tried. They've And I think it's something that, you know, we had a discussion about it on the group chat. I don't think Scottish football is going to evolve unless teams start trying to play football. Because I think it's, it's, it's not as if they just play like that. And they, see if they just played like that against Celtic Rangers and shut in deeply and tried to get a point. I could at least, I could understand the law don't condone it. But it's when they play each other, some of these sides, and the, the, the football is atrocious because they don't have a, a style of play. Like, we're talking about Hibs, we're playing Hibs tonight. What are Hibs style of play? What is the signature style? For Hibs now, we don't have one. No, see when you look at it, Dundee United came to Celtic Park. I actually came out and had really? a go at us, and they got a draw out of it. Now St Johnston and Motherwell, the last two games, both of those teams had zero shots on target over ninety minutes. Now it's not just as a team you'd be disappointed, 
there was what about a hundred fans there for St Johnston at the weekend. Imagine paying thirty quid to go to Celtic Park and watch your team just sit behind the ball for ninety minutes, barely have a go at them. Not even, I mean, Joe Hart could have sat there in a the deck chair at the weekend. Not a single shot on target over the last hundred and eighty minutes. Now you can say that's great defending from Celtic, or you can say it's a case of a team just going there and admitting we're likely going to get beat, so we'll just try and damage limitation from the word go. It's one of those things, Colin, we, we, it's a tactic that, you know, it's what people will say just to counter that is that, well, Celtic, when they play in Europe, some teams sit in because teams are, you know, bigger budgets than names like that, but then I don't like that either. I don't think that's ever really served us that well. You know, I, I always think we should go and have a go, like, no. against teams, because, you know, unless you try and play that way, you're never going to get better at it. And if you don't get better at it, you can't evolve. And if you can't evolve, then what's the point? It's just, it's a real bugbear for me. It's, um, it's, it's, I had a rant about it a few weeks ago with Paul about, you know, if you look at, you know, teams in, in Europe that are just overlapping Celtic and Scottish teams because, you know, they've just got, they've got systems and, and philosophies in place that they're trying to, trying to play football a good way and the players are playing good way. And, you know, you can, it's just, it can be embarrassing at times, being a, I mean, especially living in England, defending Scottish football, and then you watch, you know, Mullow versus Livingston, and you think, right, I, I get the criticism, I, I see what they're talking about, you know? I, I do I do think there's an honesty on the field in Scottish football, with the players that are there, because there is a certain level of player, and there's even only a certain level of player who come to Celtic because of the level of the league that we actually play in. But I, I do kind of, this whole what teams should do when they're playing Celtic and what Celtic should do. For me, I've said this plenty of time, I want Celtic to go out there and try to play attacking football and try to entertain. But then there is another argument, it's a sporting spectacle, it is not an entertainment. Where do you sit on that, Colin? Is it a sporting spectacle or is it an entertainment? Is it now now an entertainment leisure industry? Because it is an industry. You look at how other leagues all around the world are actually packaged and how sports scene tries to package the the Scottish game and that. It is an entertainment. It is. There there is an element to that. Um, But I guess, see, for your diehards, like us that go week in, week out, it doesn't matter if you win 1-0 or if you win 6-0. The, the most important thing is you put those three points on the board. But there is a way of doing that and still being able to play proper Celtic-style football. This The Celtic way that everybody goes on about. Now, the, the people would say that it's best kind of um, epitomised by the Tommy Burns teams. But the difference would have been that Tommy Burns teams didn't go on to win much. They won a Scottish Cup and that was it. They, they didn't go on to win leagues. So you've got to try and find a balance between looking at trying to get the points on the board and trying to play attractive football. I think we had that problem at the start of the season. I think we, we had a, a style of football which Ange has been trying to bring in and we saw that it caused us some trouble. Um, I'm thinking like away to Livingston, away to Hearts, where we didn't quite bed into that and we hadn't grown in. We hadn't understood fully the role of what the inverted fullback was but now what you're seeing is it's a team that's gelling together you're seeing almost a consistent 11 week in and week out and they're starting to play this football so although it might be 2-0 now seeing maybe 6-7 weeks time you might come up against a, another team 
and then you do them 5-6 now and you're playing mm. the exact same football, the exact same possession and probably have the exact same amount of shots as what you had on Saturday. It's just you're more of a sort of polished article and you see those chances getting put in the back of the net. Maybe every team in Scottish football needs a Charlie Mulgrew who likes doing scissor kicks to win and crossing the ball with his right foot. Uh, we all need a Charlie Mulgrew to provide us with entertainment at times. Colin, you mentioned in- inverted fullbacks there and you're going to need to go in about 20 minutes because you're going to the game this evening and you've got a couple of things to tidy up. And John Paul Taylor's actually came out in the last hour or so. I think if you're going to the game tonight, you better leave within the next hour to actually get in before kick-off. <laughs> uh, the amount of problems that there's going to be. You, you were at the fan media conference yesterday, Colin, with Callum McGregor. You've just spoke about inverted fullback, so I'll play the video clip when he actually talks about the inverted fullbacks. Yeah, it's, um, like you said, obviously it's, it's been a thing that the gaffers tried to implement here. Um, I think it's worked you know, reasonably well. We're getting better at it all the time and you can start to see, you know, one coming in, maybe one staying out, um, giving us a little bit of width. So, you know, all it does is just slide you across a little bit and and sort of gives you the two controlling players to build up and, and try and outnumber the, the opposition. So, you know, it's just important that whatever fullback comes in, you then just balance off on the side and, and then it's about quick combinations, trying to break through the press. Um, and then obviously on uh, transition with the, with the team, they turn over the ball, then, you know, it's just important that first and foremost we... You know, control the middle of the pitch, force them wide, and then everyone recovers back central, and and we defend from there. So um, that's pretty much in a nutshell, as as well as I can explain it for you. Callum McGregor explained it far better than whatever I could. <laughs> um, the other night there, I was rewatching the game, and I found the positions our fullbacks got themselves in as to be utterly wild. Uh, when you when you look at the where you expect your fullbacks to be on a pitch. Uh, there was there was at one point where two fullbacks, Brian, were playing as two number tens, and they had actually swapped over. Juranovic was on the right hand side, and Anthony Ralston was on the re- was on the was on the left hand side. Eh? It's a thing that the uh, Manchester City and Bayern Munich, when Pep was there, brought into a system, and. You, Josip Juranovic spoke about it yesterday as well in the press conference. And he says against Betis, you could actually hear the Betis players going, you're meant to be marking him. It causes confusion, not just for the opposition, but sometimes for us fans and also it looked like for our own side for, for uh, when it first started. Eh? But Callum, I think Callum summed it up perfectly there. Yeah, and I think it... I think it... It really sort of it shows that the players are getting to, as we said earlier, they're getting to know the system better and they're, they're knowing when to come in and when to go out. And, you know, it is a, a complicated system to get. And, you know, once you get players used to it and they're, it's, they're getting better at it, and as I say, we've been keeping clean sheets as well, so defensively we're looking stronger. So even though they're coming inside, somebody's covering them as well. You say it's harder for opposition players to mark, getting the, the overloads and the diagonals in. So when it works, it works really well. I think it's just at the start, it, it was harder to take. And look, sometimes we've had Ralston and Montgomery as our two fullbacks, guys that, you know, one that was written off before the season started, one that's kind of just trying to find his feet in the team. You know, it's really hard for these guys. They might, you know, are they going to be completely capable of playing that long term? I think they're doing it, but I think there's times they get caught out. I think Juranovic does it pretty well. I think he's he's a clever enough, talented enough player to do it. 
not the attorney, but I just think he gets it a bit more. And I think, again, it's just an indication that once the squad improves and maybe other players come in, you start to see gaps in that communication um, moving. I remember when football was so simple. <laughs> Johnny Ryan, that, that, that's a good quote. Football's moved on from the game, from the time when 11 guys were put on the pitch and tell to kick the ball up. And, and run faster, run harder and get it in at the opposition goal. It, Connor, it depends I'm, what level of football you're watching, Kevin. I've watched some Scottish Championship games and that's still the case this season. I've watched some English <laughs> Championship games and it's still the case down there. And, and, and well, these guys are getting... Sometimes it's football down there, isn't it? It's like I, I know, I know. That, that champ, the English Championship is an utter slog of a, of a league and it's very surprising to see any good football in that league whatsoever when you actually watch it. Colin, I thought on Saturday... Josip Juranovic was utterly fantastic as left back when I watched it back there playing the inverted fullback role he just seems so comfortable on what is his most unnatural side yeah definitely and it's funny because you've seen Ange after the game speaking about the left back position and he mentioned Juranovic in as part of his options so you're going is he this kind of versatile player that and sees that if he needs a left-back, he can throw him in? Or is it just a case of, well, yeah, he can play left-back, but it's sort of a, a last option like we had at the weekend? I mean, Montgomery probably would get in ahead of him and he would switch to his right-back position. But, as you say, he's so natural that he kind of drifted into the, the inside of the park. But then, and it's something that I don't think Montgomery and Ralston have really done overly well this season is when that ball transition, when it's coming that the team is having a go at us, and that was a point that McGregor was making earlier, is how quick they get back into their natural positions. Mm-hmm. And Juranovic managed to do that so much better than any of the other uh, fullbacks that I've seen so far this season, is that he knew that, OK, I might be in the middle of the park now, but I'm coming right back into that position, and he sprinted back. Other times I've seen sort of the, the full-backs jogging back into position, hoping that the centre-half will come out and cover them, and it leaves a gap in the middle. And I, I've seen us been exposed a couple of times this season where we've lost goals from that. Juranovic was just switched on. He just knew straight back in, straight back out. It might not be a position that he's played before, but his natural position is a full-back, and he knows just to come straight back into that when we've not got the ball. Brian, it just shows how muddled we are as a club that our best left-backs are right-back, isn't it? Uh, well. Brian, Colin mentioned Adam Montgomery there and I had a quick wee hub, a look at the the heat maps for Montgomery in the last couple of games and Juranovic for the game on Saturday and you could actually see Adam Montgomery played more as an old school fullback. He was in the areas where you would expect a fullback to be but truthfully he's in the areas where you expect an attacking winger to be because that's what he is. I'll be honest, I'm just amazed. That's XG you've mentioned. Oh, no. You know, Kev's going all Ted Lasso on us over here. <laughs> I know. You're right. I think there's a player in Montgomery. I really do. And I think Anshi's as well. I think I know he's a wee bit inconsistent, but he's, he's still young enough. And I think he'll. It's funny because you never. I'm not 100% sure where I think his best position is. Because I do like him on the wing, but he has got a wee bit of dig about him and, and his positional sense isn't bad. So, um, and am I right to say, did he not start off as a striker? Montgomery was a kind of left-sided forward, yeah. Left-sided forward, aye. So, so it shows that, you know, he's versatile as well. And I think 
like you get Iranovic being versatile, I think that's a key theme with players. Um, and Postacoglu's team is that, you know, Kyogo, Jota, Abada, yeah, Juranovic, McGregor, Montgomery are all guys that can probably play a number of positions. And I think that really suits when they do do that rotation because they're fairly comfortable. I mean, a lot of times you see Callum McGregor actually drifting out wide and almost taking the ball on the touchline for the overlap. So it's, it's, I think that's a real quality of likes in players, which is why I still think we're a bit short, like... Ralston, as much as I really like him, I think his his attitude's exceptional. I think he's um, he's so brave and so determined to win, but he is limited in his ability. I think Rogic is very very good, but again he's very specific to his role. Same with, with Turnbull. I think he he's very much that's his position and that's it. So it'll be interesting to see if there's any changes in those parts of the field for a bit more versatility to see if that helps the the system. I, I find that. Sorry, Colin, on you go. Okay, well, I was just going to say that's part of the thing that Callum was asked about on the press conference yesterday was the sort of idea of the midfield positions. Uh, And someone was saying to him, where would you prefer to play? Would you prefer to play as the box-to-box, as the number six, as the number ten? And, um, well, instead of me trying to explain it, Kev, why don't we listen to what Callum had to say? Let's play the clip now. Um, do you know it's a, it's a difficult question now. I've, I've like you said, I've played in so many positions that I, I just think anywhere in the midfield, you know, I, I like being an eight as well in terms of you know connecting the game and then going and joining in and you know and helping out with goals and assists as well. And then the position that I'm, I'm sort of playing just now it allows me to dictate the game and you know build the attacks and, and get it through the thirds. So you know, to be honest, I'd, I'd play anywhere for this club and like you just touched on there. I'd even play in goals, but. Um, you know, I just, I just love my football here and, you know, I'm happy to play wherever the manager wants me to play. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Technology allows drones to deliver pizza. Here's mine now. Approaching drop zone. But to deliver powerful insights that are on target, you need more than technology. You need CDW to help transform and manage your IT environment with a Dell technology solution that lets you slice your data any way you want to accelerate innovation. Delivering. Don't forget to tip. Dell Technologies makes data-driven insights possible. CDW makes it powerful. Learn more at cdw.com slash Dell Data Center. The comment that jumps out at me there, that's the first time I've seen this clip, uh, is I would play anywhere for this football club, and I love to hear that for the club captain, really do. Colin, Callum spoke about him sitting in the number six position there. Since he's came back into the team, Aberdeen away, we had 550 passes. Motherwell, we had, we had uh, no, it was 450. Motherwell was 550 passes. Against uh, Friday, it was 650 and against St Johnston on Saturday there was over 800 passes we made. For me, that shows Callum McGregor in that number, in that role back in that team. Especially the three games where he's been moved back to the number six. He's the reason that we're controlling games. He's the reason that we're controlling the pace of the games. And he is the reason why we look far tighter as a unit now. 
Yeah, I agree with that to an extent. Um, I think McGregor was obviously, you could see how much he was missed earlier on in the season. That game against Dundee United, the trip to uh, the Spaghetti ad, you just saw that there wasn't someone who wants to take that ball and his first instinct is, I need to go forward with that. Because that's what you see from Callum McGregor in that sitting role. You don't see him kind of turn around and say, hey, Starfelt, Cameron Carter-Vickers, here's the ball back. His first instinct is to get the ball, turn and see where he can take it forward, as he says, play it through the thirds. Um, although I would say that over the last couple of games and in particularly the St Johnston game at the weekend and I saw someone make a comment a, a minute or two ago about crab ball, uh, the idea of the ball going like this um, horseshoe. and if you look at it, two of the people that has the most amount of touches on the ball for Celtic are Cameron Carter-Vickers and Carl Starfield and that's because they pass the ball to each other it's simple. If you watch it, it goes from one to the other, to the other, to the other, to the other. And it's like watching tennis between the two of them, just passing it back and forward. They slow the game down. It's only once it gets beyond them that you see the sort of style of football that Celtic want to play. Once it goes out wider, once it goes into McGregor, then you see the sort of intensity pick up. And that's something I'm not sure... I'm not sure we can improve that with the players that we've got. I think the centre-backs are generally quite slow in possession of the ball. It's not like you had a, an Ayer whose first instinct was to drive forward and try and beat a man and play the ball on. The same way Van Dijk did for us as well. I think they two are very safe and it's like the, the, the most completion sort of um, percentage of the pass, that's the one they'll make. They don't take the risk to sort of miss a man out and go wide. So when you're trying to build the attack, if it starts with Carl Starfelt and Cameron Carter-Vickers, it immediately slows it down. If you get it out to the wings or get it into McGregor right away, then you can go on the quick break. And if you look at the goal that um, Jota scored over at Fur Park, that is the kind of quick out up the park in the back mm. of the net. That's the the sort of style that I think McGregor is more leading towards. That's the way that the, the manager wants us to play. That was one thing that Mikey Johnson actually says as well in, in an interview, and Joe Hart says it last week as well, uh, that they want to play that front foot attacking football. Brian, there's a couple of things that Colin says that I, I, I want to get your opinion on. One, I reckon that the two guys at the back play the ball between them to try and drag teams out. I think they slow the game down deliberately to try and get one of their centre-forwards to move five yards up the pitch, to try and to try and slow them down. And for me, that is the reason that we play out from the back as well, is to cause an overload at the back. Perfect example, you look at the overload because we caused against Ferenc Varos, one long ball and Yota scores. I can understand why Cameron Vickers and that get the the most touches, but I do think that's tactical as well. That's to drag teams out. And when you've got teams like Mullerwell and Johnson sitting back against us, they are going to have loads of the ball because they need to they need to wait on that opening and somebody to make that break. Yeah, I, I was going to say that exact same thing. Actually, that's master of thinking behind it because I, I would suspect it's different in Europe because teams are more aggressive in the front. So they're probably taking less time. They're probably just trying to pass it out first time. I mean, if you get the the ball like we had against St Johnston, there's no point in trying to pick a pass when the mid, it's all so packed. You're as well waiting until they try and come up and try and pick a space. 
go back to Cal McGregor, one of the great things with McGregor, and I've been sort of, I've been sort of seen for the start of the season. I didn't think the attack was a problem, and I didn't actually think the defence was a problem. I thought the midfield connection was a problem mm-hmm. sometimes with Celtic. I thought that that transition through the midfield was there. So if it was, um, and when Cal McGregor's in the team, it's 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 totally it's like defensively we better when Kyle goes in the team as an attacker because he presses so well for the front. Offensively, we are so good with McGregor's in the team because he can take the button off the centre backs. He's always drifting, getting in, collecting off them, making a pass and moving. And it, it, it helps Rodrick and it helps Turnbull be better. I think they're both far better than Cal McGregor's in the team. I think the defence looks more confident because they know it's, if, they can, if he's available, they can get the ball to him and he'll take care of it. They don't have to be scared of misplacing a pass when he's there. I think he's he's immensely important for how we, we play moving forward. And um, you, you picked up on it, Kev. He's such a good speaker, isn't he? Like he's, he's mm. a good interviewer, he's he's good talker, he's a good ambassador, like and he's he's very by all accounts he's always been a very sensible young guy. And um, I think it comes across so so really proud to have him as captain and I say what a player. Colin, it's quite mad day eh, that we all had doubts about Callum, Callum McGregor's personality to be the captain of Celtic Football Club, and he's completely batted that right out of the park. Eh? Absolutely, um, and I tell you what, and kind of moving on from the point we were talking about the, the the tactics, one thing I've noticed over the last couple of games is the togetherness of that team. See if we go back to the the Chris Kane and Cameron Carter Vickers incident. Last season, we would have seen a couple of players standing there. Maybe Scott Brown would have went over and got involved. Maybe Ayer at a push. But that team came together on Saturday. There was Joe Hart sprinting 40 yards out of his goal to get Carter Vickers away from the scenario. There was others trying to get themselves involved in the scenario. It just shows that togetherness of the team. And that's something I I think we have really, really lacked over the, the last number of months. And when you look at McGregor, if he's talking like that to, to us and to the press, what is he like when he's talking to the guys and kind of bringing them into the team, making them feel part of the squad? It's, people maybe thought last year he's not the most vocal and I, I agreed with him at the time. I, I didn't think he was the most vocal. We had numerous discussions on here saying who might actually be the captain, but it, we've got to hold our hands up and say we were all completely wrong. McGregor is a natural in this role and the fact that we've tied him down on a new contract for me is one of the most important bits of business that we'll have done this summer. Another thing, Brian, you're talking about leaders in the dressing room. Um, We'll bring up Callum McGregor's new contract clip just just there the now, Colin. Josip Juranovic, Mikey Johnson have both mentioned Joe Hart as a leader in that dressing room as well. Are we surprised at that? Yes and no. I think I think when he was joining, one of the things I said was I wasn't I wasn't blown away by his goalkeeping ability. You know, I think he's a good keeper, but I don't think he's a he's a great keeper. Um, I think he's considerably better than what we've had for, for a while. Um, but what he brings that's so important to him is that experience, that leadership for the back, that organisation, that ferocity as well. I love when he makes a save. He's, he's in people's faces. He's he's yelling about it. He's, he's you know, he, he really has a real passion and that's got to inspire the guys in front of him. Um, you know, there may be times where you think, oh, you could have went for that quicker or you should have covered that. But he, what he adds to the team is is greater than just his goalkeeping ability. Um, and I think he's, he's 
he spoke quite passionately about Celtic already. I think he's one of these guys that's sort of got it quite quickly, I would say. Mm-hmm. Just the things he said and the way he spoke and stuff like that. And I think that's really good. And, and just before you play the cup of McGregor, I love when they had that kind of Rami. I love when they asked Posta Coglu about it. And he said he, he also has a chuckle at these things because he watches the guys that don't really want to get involved, kind of <laughs> hanging about at the back, kind of shouting and kind of standing about. Then they hold me back, hold me back stuff. I love that for him. But um, but yeah, I think that the, the, even you can see the players celebrate together the goal, does this look like a real kinship? And I think that was something Posta Coglu said at the start, wasn't it? He wanted a certain type of person yeah. in that culture. And, and I think you can see it. When you look at the, the unique angle footage that Celtic TV actually produce and Yakamakis scoring it uh, scoring it on Saturday there, the whole team was there celebrating with him apart from Joe Hart. Yeah. And that that is something that shows it's a it's a small thing that you think as a football fan that should happen. But you see it in teams where it doesn't happen, where that togetherness isn't there. And maybe and that is probably down to Guys like Callum McGregor, that is down to winning games of football. That is down with that is down to enjoying your football as well. Um, ain't it, Colin? There is a lot of factors. It's not just it's not just black and white here. There's a lot of factors. Yeah. We've got guys settling in from every different corners of the globe. You've got a manager who's came from Australia, but some of the press seem to think he's came from Mars and doesn't know yeah. anything about Scottish football or what's what goes on in European football whatsoever. We're under a massive transition, and signing somebody like Cal McGregor up for the next five years is is, is massive to us. Absolutely, and you look at the sort of leadership and experience that departed in the summer with the likes of Scott Brown going in there. Scott Brown would—I mean, you look at Kieran Tierney's um, interview the other day. He was saying that when he wants to captain Arsenal, he wants to captain them the way that Scott Brown captained Celtic, and the fact that he's got that sort of influence on young players that's coming in to the club, you can only hope that Callum McGregor has that exact same influence when the next sort of batch of players are coming through or the next couple of signings are coming in that he'll be the one that they say he is Mr Celtic the way that Scott Brown was over the last sort of nine ten years. We're talking about Mr Celtic here, let's hear him talking about his new contract. Yeah. Um, listen it was, it was a very quick sort of process uh, me and the club started speaking in the summer you know, I was uh, desperate to, to get it done, get it sorted, and, and like you said, just focus solely on the football side of things and and leading the club. So, you know, I was so happy to get it done um, very quickly. And, and like I said, now now it's on to the business of making sure everyone's performing, making sure I'm performing, and, and like you said, leading this great club to success. He says it all there, Brian, eh? He actually sums up what we actually need in your club captain. Somebody who's been through good times and somebody who's who is now in a period of transition, who's there for the long term. And he says it was done quickly. Do you actually think you and Colin mentioned it earlier on? Do do you believe that he, he had any when he was signing this contract that he went to the board, what is your plans for the future? I would think so. I mean, he's a, he's a pretty sensible guy. He's spoken about it. I think he's, he's quite a smart kid. And I would imagine so. I'd imagine conversations with Posta Coglu and they seem to have quite a nice relationship. Um, and one of the things he epitomises as well is that never get too high, never get too low mentality. You know, when it's like Posta Coglu, when he wins, he's like, yeah, it was good. Let's go on to the next one. When he speaks, he's like, that wasn't so good. Let's go on to the next one. And, and I love that sort of level-headedness about it. Um, and I think McGregor's... Um, 
sort of personifies that in a lot of ways. So I would imagine there was conversations, but I think, you know, he seems to pop very quickly into Postacoglu's way of thinking. The club apparently do as well, which we'll see soon. Um, so, yeah, I, I would imagine he's had some sort of input and sort of ask questions because I, I don't imagine he would, he's, you know, I, I don't imagine he would have been short offers. And it, and it does look like him and Postacoglu have got a kind of a good relationship and a sort of kinship regarding how they see football and specifically football at Celtic. Yeah, I just want to, sorry Kev, I just want to oh, see yeah. this clip because I've got to jump off here in a minute. I've got to get myself ready to go Easter Road tonight. I probably should have left an hour ago. Um, <laughs> the video clip that came out after the game on Saturday, that showed, um, I don't know if you've, you've had the chance to see it, where Ange and Callum go over to the fan who's behind uh, the dugout who I think has been kind of severely Kevin. ill for a, a, a number of... Uh, his name's now. Kevin, I can't, I can't yeah, remember Kevin. his I can't remember his setting name, but his name's Kevin. But when you listen to Celtic TV and they're saying, oh, we're going to get this interview with Ange and it's just coming up after he speaks to, to Kevin and stuff like that, and they, they were kind of, I almost felt as if Celtic TV were annoyed at the fact that Ange and Callum were spending so much time speaking to this gentleman and it just showed that they don't care what about schedules or what else. They just care about showing how much they love the club and if you show that you love the club, they're willing to give you that time back. And Callum yesterday, that's the second press conference he's gave since signing that contract for Fan Media. The first one was done on very short notice and only certain ones could attend. He knew that was the case and made sure that he made time for a second one yesterday. So that connection to the club, um, it's going to win over the fan base. It's going to win over everybody. And we were looking for who's going to be the next Mr Celtic going forward. Callum McGregor has stepped up to the plate. It's that connection. The easiest connection to get is between the players and the fans. and that But that comes with playing good football and winning games and the players showing that they care, Brian. And stuff like Callum McGregor doing that yesterday and, and Callum speaking to the disabled fan on Saturday, the fact is that they still do the, the, the lap of appreciation uh, at the end of the games as well. Going to the fans at the away games, I mean, that was something that was started under Ronnie Dyla when we had the Ronnie Roar and, and stuff like that. That connection is fairly easy to get and it's, it's the easiest part of the club to fix. Yeah, I think the the, 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 the blockers always the sort of behind-the-scenes stuff and the sort of board and things like that. I don't think, I think from the start, the fans saw in Ange, a man who sort of encompassed a lot of what Celtic was and the type of person you imagine, you know, a Celtic man to be. You know, he wasn't a Celtic man in terms of support, but the way he talked about football, the way he talked about life, the way he talked about, you know, Glasgow as a city with the, the multi, multiculturalism, the way he talked about, um, you know, people he loved and the, the styles. And it was all things that Celtic fans bought into him with love and a manager. He sort of had it. So I spoke earlier about Joe Hart coming in and... and so I get that. I feel like it's the marketer's report this week. Patrizia Spagnoletto, global chief marketing officer, direct consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. 
House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Postacoglu already had it, he just didn't realise it, if you know what I mean. He had that Celtic-minded attitude in, in, the, in the most positive way, which is... You know, he spoke, speaks a lot about the fans being the most important people, pleasing them, getting them on their feet, entertaining them, giving them something to be happy about. He understands what the club's about. And I think actions like that show it. And I think the, the way he sort of... I don't think he's shown a lack of respect for the press, but he certainly not took any prisoners. And I think uh-huh. he's been happy to let the press wait and take the time to let the fans know, this is the message I want to give you. Don't worry what they're asking. And you got to love it. I was interested to take Tony Haggerty's take on this, basically because Tony's worked in that area, and so you always have to refer to the people who are experts in that area, and he says that he was at the press conference when Ange uh, gave the one of the makes comments, and he says, what didn't they come over on the audio was he smiled when he says it. It, there, There was a sort of I am just going to... There is a light-heartedness about the way that he does it, but I also think he's intelligent enough to understand he needs to get that message across to the Celtic fans. It was the same yesterday with the with the press asking him like Walter Smith's influence in Australia, and he laughed as if they go, "You're not asking me that 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 or you've came from the other side of the world. You don't know what you're talking about." And that and that's and for me that's a bit of snobbery in Scottish football as well that we don't have a look outside our own borders. But we need to get that togetherness. And going forward, we need that togetherness. I'm going to play the last Callum McGregor clip here. And he talks about last season against this season. And we'll move on to the the third part of of today's bulletin. The tagline is, can Celtic secure their first league win at Easter Road in nearly eight eight years? We'll listen to Callum McGregor talking about the difference at the club between last year and this year. Then we'll have a look at... at tonight's game, we'll do a preview before the preview. As our viewers have probably realised, Colin's away now. He's got some work stuff to do before he, he gets on the Greenock Celtic supporters bus and travels through to Edinburgh. Fair play to the lads for going there tonight, and I hope hopefully they get a, a great result to to celebrate and drink upon and have a great journey back. So I'll play this clip, and we'll get get talking about the Hibs game. Um, I think with, with new managers, you always you always get a freshness. You always get a I kind of bounce. Everyone's, you know, desperate to do well. They're desperate to impress him. What he what he has come in and done is is given us a, a sort of clear identity in terms of the way we want to play. He's, you know, he's he's got this the thing about the fullbacks coming in, the wingers staying high, stretching the game. So there's a real sort of structure there within the game, and you know, he, he's he's trying to teach the boys to to stick to the system and trust the principles within that to get us the result rather than. You know, at the weekend there, it, it can get a little bit edgy in terms of you haven't scored yet. People start getting frustrated and moving all over the pitch, but then it actually becomes a bit counterproductive because the structure will get you the, the chances and, and that will get you the, the success that you need. So what he's done in that sense is he's made it really clear um, what he wants for each position, each individual. And then he's just brought us together, you know, with, with so many different um, cultures and personalities and 
nationalities. He's, he's managed to gel the group together really quickly. Brian, one word jumped out to me there, identity. That was the word that jumped out to me right away when he's talking about the difference between last season and this season. He says there's a togetherness and an identity. That's what you want to hear, eh? Oh, absolutely. It's something I've been harping at for, for several seasons, not just this season. And it's one of those things, and I, I, would, I would love to know how much input Postacolo is going to have in the youth setup. Um, Andy Raff, we shout out Andy, um, made a really good point in that he says if we're playing this, you know, inverted fullback, high press system that McGregor's alluded to, why is the under 23s not playing that way? The under 16s, the under 12s, whatever they are, whatever the brackets are, everyone should be playing that system from the bottom of the club to the first team so that these, this pathway becomes a bit clearer. And that's the next thing I would like to see. I'd like to see the club buy into the, the system and the vision and the philosophy a bit more, no just the players. Um, because I think, you know, I, I, I keep going on about it, but teams like Dortmund, Man City, Leipzig, Salzburg, um, they play a certain way. You know what way they play. That You know what the club's going to play. If I ask you what they play like, you can tell me. doesn't matter who's in charge. And we need to get to that point, I think. And it, it'll take a while, but I think we're on the right path. And, and it's, uh, it's really refreshing to hear. And, and I love that, you know, Postacoglu, one of the things he said, and I think you and I particularly have, have always stuck with it, is we just need to believe. Believe in the system. Believe in what I'm saying. And we'll get there. We just have to keep working. And I think we, we both said you'd take a few black eyes, and, and we have. But we, we look as if we're, we're getting towards where we need to be. And I think, you know, if we get to, to January and we're, we're only a couple of points in the, the, the league race apart for the rivals, and, you know, we're looking in decent condition, we're qualified for Europe after Christmas, I think you can be really confident and say that's a good job done, and we look as if we're getting there. Um, and I think it's all just having faith in the manager. Faith in his system, faith in his principles and his philosophies, and as Callum says, it's no, you know, he's no adjusted. The players have adjusted to to match his expectations, and that's the way it should be. And I'm glad uh, it's Sometimes that can go two ways. We saw Ronnie Dyler; he 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 received a bit of friction against trying to bring in those changes. Brendan Rodgers walks in and tries to implement the exact same system and doesn't get that doesn't get that friction because it's a man that's given a different message. Um, it seems that the players have bought in. It's a brand new side. And the tagline, can Celtic secure the first league win at Easter Road in nearly eight years? That eight-year record is known this team. It's known as Postacoglu. And it's time to start setting a new record starting at quarter to eight tonight. Yes, Kev. That's a team. You're right. I mean, eight years things that it's a wee bit misleading because I think for a few of those years they were at the 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 main league went and they've been relegated. But yeah, several draws, a few defeats. I always like Cubs and Celtic games. To be honest, I've just a wee cheap plug for myself. I just wrote an article about uh, the game tonight and about the sort of the sort of shared history with Celtic and Hibs and some of the players that have switched over the years and you know the formation of clubs where you know we were so influenced by Hibs what they were at the time. And um, so I always quite like, you know, playing Hibs. I, you know, I always said I always liked the, the Hibs strips. I love the badge with the harp and the. Um, and I just think that these games are always good games, especially Easter Road. But as you say, rightly, it is a, a different side. And, and I think, you know, what's interesting is if this game would have been three weeks ago, we'd be the ones under pressure going in. 
because we had such a, you know, been on a, you know, not the greatest form, whereas we've now picked up a lot of form. And actually, Jack Ross, whose subs teams were like six, seven games unbeaten, mm-hmm. are actually three games without a win, and three defeats in the bounds. So it's interesting how dynamics can change so quickly in a week. Um, but yeah, I think Richie Rich is a spot on. And Richie, if you fancy getting as a tap, then that'd be lovely, mate. Um, yeah. I think Hibs will come right at us. I think, I think they play football the right way, but I, I think you go in there and feel really confident. And I think it'll be a, a massive win tonight. I think by real, you know, real continue that statement of intent we put forth against, you know, Aberdeen Motherwell. I'm wondering if Hibs will come at, come at us because what you're actually saying there, they've had three defeats in a row. They've had two players sent off in the last two in two of the last three games. Obviously, McGregor at the weekend there was in the 96 minute or something like that. Porteous was earlier on earlier on at Ibrox, but they haven't had a shot in target in two games against Dundee United and. Against Dundee United and Aberdeen, they never had a shot on target. Their expected goals was under one in both in both of those games. So it sounds like they're not creating. They're not. It sounds like they're not creating any uh, much chances. Boyle's kind of went off the boil. Off the boil. <laughs> I didn't actually mean that there, but it, this comes. Kevin Kevin Nisbet struggling to actually get his early season form back. And for those who watch Hibs and are more intelligent than me, are seeing that Hibs' style has changed and they're more direct now. And it could be a case that we might see them sitting in tonight and look to play on the on the on the break with Boyle and the young laddie Gulana who's who seem to have come into the team as well. So while I do not expect Celtic to have eight hundred passes tonight, I still expect us to utterly dominate the ball because I have, I think Hibs will be quite conservative in their approach to the game, even though there's no pressure on them in this game whatsoever. I mean, the pressure's out there. Like, yes, they want to turn turn round this run, but their fans are going into this no expecting it's going to be tonight. So what's interesting about that is that I kind of see the other way. I think that actually this is a chance pressure-free so if they get a result against Celtic, the confidence goes through the roof. The players will step up against uh, you know, Celtic and, and Rangers. And I think that actually they'll, they'll have a goal because uh, they think they can... Because they'll still see us as, as being a, a work in progress. And I think you know, guys will be, will be looking to say, if we can get a goal here, if we can have a wee go at them, we could score. And if we score and we're beating Celtic, we can beat anybody and that confidence will come back. So... Uh, but whether they have a goal or not, I, I still think we dominate the ball. I think, you know, as I say, I really think we're, we're picking up ahead of steam in terms of how we're playing and I expect that to continue. I expect us to win tonight. Um, I don't expect it to be an easy game. I don't expect it to be 5-0, but I, I think we'll win. Um, but no, I think I think Hibs will think this is a, a win-win because if they go ahead and they score and they win the game, that's amazing for them and it's a real big confidence and get some season back in track. If they go for it and don't win, nobody's expecting them to beat anybody. So it's a free hit in many ways. So that that's why I think they'll they'll go for it a bit more. Um, but it, it, listen, either way, as long as we do what we do, it doesn't matter what they do. And I think that's that's something I really love about how we've been playing. Paul on YouTube, he expects a fired up boil against his own gaffer and Nisbet looking to exp- uh, impress. That, that's interesting. Hibs, uh, Hibs a... Um, Attacking threat just come down the wings and we play the inverted fullbacks. The midfield and those fullbacks are going to have to put in a shift shift in the night to actually stop Hibs getting any 
any joy down the wide down the wide areas whatsoever. I expect us to do it. I'm actually feeling quite confident going into in tonight, and that's probably the kiss of death. But I'm looking for. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to going to Easter Road. There's no the sense of dread that I had last season going there. I can see the teams a bit more together now. We've got a bit more identity, and we we want to play good football. There, Hibs may give us that chance to actually play good football tonight. They, they, they might come out, but I've got a funny feeling Jack Ross is actually going to be quite conservative tonight with his approach. Ah, it's a, it's a say, I, ultimately, I don't think it, it matters too much what they do. Um, I think we'll be able to we'll just keep imposing our game and, and try to keep improving that. But yeah, as I say, I always, I'm a big fan of the, the, the Celtic Hibs games. I always enjoy them. I always think they're a, there's a, a good competitive element to it. I think um, it's, it's, it's got a, still a, a really nice stadium as well. It's a good place to play football. So I'm really looking forward to it. It's got a classic Scottish feel about it. Eh? Ah, it's yeah. got a heavyweight Scottish feel about it. Celt- Hibs v Celtic. It has got that heavyweight connotations. State of mind, Paul, in the background comes in. Subscribe on the YouTube to win three October prizes a size, a signed framed Bobby Lennox print, and a VA watch, and two tickets for Bend It Like Bertie in Greenock. I'm hopefully going to be in Greenock for Bend It Like Bertie, not the two tickets, but I hopefully <laughs> I'm, I'm hopefully I'm going to be inside the knowledge there. Eh? No, <laughs> I, I, I hope to be to go and see Bend It Like Bertie in Greenock. I missed it in Glasgow, so I hope to be making the. the a wee trip down the coast maybe get a wee poker chips or something like that as well when I'm there and have a look at the boats um, I am looking forward to the game tonight we've got a couple of minutes just to wrap up what do you expect the score to be tonight Brian I'm going to go with, with a 2-0 I think we're on a clean sheet and I think you know we'll, we'll definitely score a couple um, I don't expect it to be an absolute battering but I think we will dominate you know possession I think we're fairly controlled I don't think it'll be um, any sort of six, seven nils, but yeah, I, I think a good comfortable win. And that's exactly what we need to keep doing. Just keep getting the wins, keep in touch with, with the league leaders, whether that be Hearts or Rangers or Dundee United are looking all right. So, mm-hmm. you know, keep, keep in touch with these teams to January, see what we do then. We're in a good place. Okay, I'm back later on uh, at quarter past seven. It's me, Lawrence Connolly, and Russell Boyce are going to be doing the match, the match day tonight. Um, just want to thank you all for listening uh, or watching. Uh, please subscribe. And remember, if you haven't got a good word to say about anybody, then they say it at all. Eh? Be kind to each other. Thanks very much. What's up, guys? This is MMA fighter Clay Guida, and I'm not afraid of anyone or anything. But losing my hair was an entirely different kind of fight. So if you're suffering from hair loss like I was, then you got to check out my boys at Bosley. 
Pound for pound, they are the champions of hair restoration. That's why I turned to Bosley to get my hair back. The entire Bosley team was so professional and kind from start to finish. All it took was a simple one-day procedure, and I was on my way back to rocking my full hair again. So take it from me. Don't wait if you are thinning or receding. I'm so thrilled with my results, I just wish I would have went to Bosley sooner. It's time to finally knock out hair loss because the best is yet to come. Check out Bosley today. When MMA fighter Clay Guida was losing his hair, he trusted Bosley to get it back. Now it's your turn. Get a free information kit, plus get a $250 off gift card when you text SCORE to 203203. That's text SCORE to 203203. Don't wait. Text SCORE to 203203. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.